Well, God bless you. Welcome to our broadcast today. This is the wonderful Words of Life radio program. I want to read to you from Psalms. Notice the psalmist says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Therefore, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Well, praise God. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we just praise you. We magnify your name and we glorify you. You are the great God. There's none besides you, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. We thank you for your merciful kindness that's over all of your works. Lord, and we just reach our hearts out to you today. We ask you, Lord, Father, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Lord, instruct us, teach us, guide us, and direct us into the heart and into the love of God. And Father, we'll praise you for that. Amen. Praise God. You know, the psalmist also said this, Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, and then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of great transgression. You know, that was written in the Old Testament. We're in the New Testament now. We have not just God upon us, amen, but we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us that teaches us and shows us and creates in us and disciplines in us the desire to live holy before God. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's a great, great promise. That's a great person that we have on the inside of us, uh, the Holy Spirit. He'll lead us and guide us and direct us in the way that we should go. So we pray this prayer for renewal. Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. And it's on you, Lord, I wait all the day. Remember, Lord, your tender mercies and your love and kindness, for they are from of old. And make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am, but, we'll add this, but how strong you are. Because that's what uh, the, the Apostle Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. So, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may apply our heart to wisdom. And so, Father, we thank you for that. Now, Lord, we pray for everyone within the sound of this broadcast, Father, that are struggling, going through testings and trials, and, and their, their, their faith is being uh, strained. Lord, we just pray for them right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, that they'll look up because that's where their Redeemer is. Amen. Hallelujah. Help them to trust your word, Father God. And, Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for that in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. We are in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And uh, this chapter and this teaching today, this study, I'm entitling Correction, Discipline, and Consecration. Because basically, that's what Paul is addressing here in this chapter uh, concerning uh, different things that uh, where he was, uh, that the Apostle Paul was made aware of by others and that he investigated and found out that these things were actual true. There were problems in the church. And so now he's, he's writing this letter, uh, instructing 
and actually rebuking and correcting and instructing the leaders of the church, uh, you know, to um, to be to be able to put a handle on these things now, not to let them just ride ride roughshod, roughshod, uh, and and not do anything about them, but rather to deal with these things and correct them so that the church can stay on the right course. And I think that's very important. Uh, we need strong leaders in the church today. Amen. We need strong leaders that are going to address the issues in the church because not only do they affect the church, but but it, in the church has been raised up. One of the, uh, the missions of the church is to glorify God. Amen. And to be a witness in the earth. And so we want to make sure that our churches are doing that, don't we? So we'll go ahead and begin. Uh, we're going to read the first eight verses. I've entitled this section now, uh, Correction. Notice what Paul says here. Uh, he says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you not unworthy to judge even the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? Now, that's a very peculiar statement, isn't it? How much more things that pertain to this life? If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, and what Paul is talking about here, talking about disputes and squabbles within the church, he says, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. And otherwise, you're going outside of the church before ungodly and before heathen judges to, to, for him to judge pertaining to things within the church, heathen judges, they're not equipped. They are not equipped to judge things that go on in the church. This, you know, it's within the church that these squabbles should be handled. And uh, verse 5, Paul says this, And I speak to your shame. Is it, is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But bro brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather take wrong? Why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren. So we're going to break this down for just a few moments here. Uh, the main thought of Paul concerning uh, this section, and this is the reason why he's correcting the church, and the reason being is that there are things that go on in church. You know, they're, they're, church members <laughs> can be so disagreeable and can get into such squabbling and discord. And that certainly was a problem within the Corinthian church at this time. Uh, you know, they just there's some people that just could not get along with one another. And uh, these things that started out, you know, we've got an old saying down here in the south. Why are you making mountains out of molehills? And see, and Paul called these issues that are causing a problem in the church the smallest matters, matters that needed to be addressed in the church. And if Christian brothers would truly love one another and be willing to forgive one another, then uh, then these things would not take place. But now this has become such a problem 
that church members are going outside of the church. They're they're suing one another, and they're they're causing worldly judges to rule in areas where it should be the leadership within the church that's doing that. Now, Paul is not talking about things such as crimes. He's not talking about that. Uh, Church members that commit crimes, well, and they break the law of the land, well, then they're going to have to pay for that. They're going to have to suffer that. But now we're talking about things that are not necessarily crimes. Uh, they're wrongs, but they're not crimes. Uh, they're things that, uh, that have to do with uh, relationships within the church. And, of course, you know, Paul is talking about uh, brothers defrauding one another, talking about brothers cheating one another. But we're not talking about something that would be called a crime today. We're talking about uh, people in the church that step out of love and because of selfishness and because of pride, uh, they're harming or hurting other brothers. And instead of taking the wrong, instead of forgiving one another and, and, and being humble and, and realizing, you know, uh, that was wrong of me and I ask you to forgive me. And, and you know, whatever I owe you, if I've wronged you, I'm, I'm willing to pay it. You know, Jesus said in two places, if you come to offer your gift at the altar, And then at that point, you realize that your brother has ought against you. You leave your gift there and you go to your brother. You be reconciled to your brother and then you come back and you offer your gift. Amen. You see, that's why the altar is so important. Because it's there when the Holy Spirit begins to deal with our heart. There may be things that we have done that in our selfish mind, we didn't realize they were wrong. Well, you know, the, the Lord may have a different thing to say about that. And so that's why it's so important that we as believers spend time around the altar. You know, there's things that, uh, that we may have overlooked concerning relationships with one another, that the Holy Spirit will begin to deal with us. But now, Notice what Jesus was saying. You know that you've offended your brother. You know that your brother has ought against you. Why? Because you've done something wrong. And Jesus is saying this. Now you go, you you leave your gift there at the altar. You go and you be reconciled to your brother. In other words, you get things straightened out with him. And then you come back and offer your gift. But now Jesus says something else. He says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. In other words, if a brother has offended you, if he's done wrong to you, when when you stand praying, forgive, amen, those things that you have ought against your brother. And And Jesus says this, if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, is that just a a suggestion or is that a command? Well, I believe that's a command. We're commanded to to love one another. We are commanded also to forgive one another because that's truly a demonstration of the love of God where we're willing to forgive. Well, that dirty old rascal, now I forgive you, but I'll never forget what you did to me. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is you 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 heal the bond between brother, you forgive that brother, and then you forget it. You get it behind you. Amen. Now, you may not trust that person. It may take a while for you to trust that person again. 
But forgiveness is a command. Amen. And that's the problem in the church at Corinth. They were not uh, forgiving one another. They were not loving one another. They were insisting upon their rights. That's probably uh, uh, one of the a major faults in the church. Well, I'm just insisting upon my rights. It's my right. You know, everything is somebody's right today. And they're and they're willing to destroy an institution because everybody wants their rights. Well, you know, we're going to have to give. We're going to have to give in. And when I say give in, I'm talking about we're going to have to give in to the love of God. And that's an issue in the Corinthian church. People were not given in to the love of God. They were insisting upon their rights. And, and the root of their insistence upon their own rights and having things done their way, the way they want them done, the, the issue in, in, the, in the church and the issue in our hearts is, is the issue of pride. Pride goeth before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And so we need to understand these things. Amen. The thing that we are to do, the thing that we are to walk in before anything, above anything else is we are to walk in love. Amen. And as much as lies within us, we're to live peaceably with one another. If there's somebody in the church that you cannot live peaceably with, then do yourself a favor. Stay away from that person. Pray for that person, but stay away from that person. And by no means turn your back on that person. Amen. Just pray for that person. Jesus said that. Pray for them that despise you. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Amen. And I know our flesh doesn't want to do that all the time, but, uh, but we are not to live by the flesh. We are to live by the Spirit. And to live by the Spirit is to live by the word of God and submit ourselves uh, to the doctrine of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Now, that's that's correction. We're to correct ourselves. We're to daily examine ourselves, correcting ourselves if we're stepping out of the love of God. And of course, you know, we have abundant evidence that the Corinthian church uh, were living, uh, not living in the love of God like they should have. Amen. Now, Let's go ahead and go to the next section because this is important now. Now, we talked about correction. Now we're going to talk about discipline. Amen. If we're, going to, if we're going to live a Christian life, a victorious Christian life, we're going to have to have discipline and we're going to have to be willing to accept correction. That's why it's so important to read and to study and to meditate the Word of God because we understand, amen, from the Word of God how we are to live and behave ourselves, not just in the, in the church of God, but in the world. Amen. Praise God. Now, notice what Paul says here in these next three verses, verses 9 through 11. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Talking about sinners. Talking about those that are outside of the church. Be not deceived, neither fornicators. Was there fornication going on in the Corinthian church? Absolutely nor idolaters. Yeah, people loving money. They were loving money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Pride is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. Nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Amen. That's homosexuality. Amen. That's people using themselves in, in, in prostitution, male prostitutes in, in the temples, in the Corinthian temples, to the false gods, 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, those homosexuals, nor thieves. Uh, there may have been some thievery going on inside the Corinthian church. Nor covetousness. Remember I told you that covetousness is idolatry. Nor drunkards. Nor reviling. You know, drunking, drinking, uh, 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 alcohol, getting, uh, getting drunk on alcohol. You know, we're going to address that problem later on in this letter over in verse uh, chapter 11. Nor revilers, nor extortioners. Nor, uh, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's, that is um, just plain truth. I mean, <laughs> how can you get away? How can you explain verses 9 and 10 away? You can't. Uh, Paul is very direct. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That's talking about homosexuality. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's plain. That's plain and simple. But now notice what Paul says here in verse 11. And such were some of you. Not all of you. Such were some of you. But he says this, but you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You were these things. Some of you were these things, but you are no longer these things. This is what you are. You're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Discipline. No, we can't go back to those things. We can't go back to the former life. And if we've carried any part of our former life over into our Christian life, those things need to be put to death. I remember when I first got saved, I knew the moment I got saved that I was not to drink dope anymore. I mean, take dope anymore, smoke dope anymore. However, I had a taste for beer. And I continued to drink after I was saved until one day I went out with some friends and one of the guys there was not a Christian. And after uh, we ate, I had a big old pitcher of beer, drank the whole thing just about, I think, if I remember right. And uh, yeah, I was feeling a little woozy. And uh, this, this fella went home and said to his wife, I thought you said John was a Christian. What's he doing drinking beer? Well, that got back to me. And I tell you, the Holy Spirit took that opportunity to smite my heart. And I got to praying about that. And I says, Lord, I says, I've offended you. I've offended my testimony. I am a born-again believer. So I can't, I can't partake of that. And so as an oath before God, as a vow before God, I cut that off. I no longer drank beer. I, I put that to death in my life. And see, with everybody, not just with me, but with you and everybody, there are certain things that we bring over from our former life into our Christian life. These things must be put to death, but they've got to be put to death through the Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. And so there's some of these, this catalog of, of sin, sinfulness that uh, Paul has listed there. Well, some of these Corinthian believers, they brought some of that over into the church. Fornication primarily. And then, of course, you know, thievery 
and covetousness. And of course, you know, drinking, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as we go along. And, uh, but Paul's saying, that's not you. That's not who you are now. You are washed, you're sanctified, you're justified. So now you are to glorify God by putting these former things to death. Get your hands off of them. Don't have anything to do with them anymore. You have a new law to live by. It's not the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Praise God. Amen. I mean, think about that. I mean, some of the Corinthians, they had practiced the, these grotesque sins, but Paul preached to them the gospel. They heard the gospel. God convicted their heart. They surrendered their heart. They humbled themselves they, they ask God to forgive them of their sins, and they embrace Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Praise God. They got born again. Hallelujah. But ye are washed. That's what Paul said. He said, the stain of sin's removed now. You've been bleached white. You've made, been made white by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. But not only were you washed, but now you're sanctified. And that word sanctified means separated. God took you, <coughs> translated you out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his son. And when he separated you, he also justified you. He pardoned you, praise God. Amen. He declared you not guilty. And he has passed over the judgment that was due to you, the judgment that was hanging over your head. When you came to Christ and you begged God and you asked God for forgiveness and you received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, that judgment that was hanging over your head, is you've been pardoned. That's, you've been passed over that, praise God. And now you are a child of God. You're a child of God because the action that took place in your heart came through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was the power of the Spirit of God that enabled you to receive new birth. So I say praise God for that. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This is what you are. Amen. I despise that term. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If you're a sinner saved by grace, then you can't be saved. You can't be a sinner and saved. Now, the, the difference is, is in this. Christians are not perfect. They do make mistakes. But it's an exception. It's not a rule. A sinner, amen, he sins because that's his nature to sin. He lives in sin. He practices sin as a way of life. Not so with the Christian. A Christian is not perfect. You, you have made plenty of mistakes. I have made plenty of mistakes. But they were not the rule. They were the exception. Amen. And so we learn along the way to cast these things off. Amen. The things that we brought over from our former life, we learn through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the Word of God, we learn how to cast these things, put them to death in our life. Amen. So we can live our life in such a way that we please God and God alone. So that's who we are today. That's who the Corinthians were. They were washed. They were sanctified. They were justified. So the things of their former life, they need to be put to death. Amen. Well, that requires discipline. 
We have to stay with the Word of God. We have to develop a prayer life. Amen. We have to get under good teaching, get under proper leadership by men that we can look up to, by men that we know that they've been through what we've been through, and yet they've made it. Amen. They're victorious. So we, we, we submit ourselves unto, unto them, praise God, so that we can experience the same type of victory that they have experienced, praise God. Amen. That's growing up in the things of God. And then Paul in in, uh, verses uh, 12 through 18, let's go ahead and read them. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, Paul said, I'm a Roman citizen. Amen. I come from a wealthy family. I can do anything I want to do and still be within the Roman law, but it doesn't benefit me. I can get away with some things, but it doesn't benefit me and it certainly doesn't benefit the believer. So I'm not going to do them. Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. In other words, there are some things, yeah, we could probably commit them and get away with them. Amen. We're not going to get away with them before Almighty God, but we can get away with them in the church. But they are going to be our downfall if we continue to do them. It's the little foxes that spoil the vine. And that's what Paul is talking about. I will not be brought under the power of any of them. Amen. The power in my life is Christ and Christ alone. And then Paul goes on and he talks about in verse 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Why do we live our life on that which is temporary? Let's center our life in that which is eternal. Amen. Our outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. Praise God. Hallelujah. The invisible things, these are the eternal things. This is what we need to be building our life on. This is what we need to be uh, living our life for is, is that is, is the eternity that we're going to spend with the Lord Jesus Christ and in this life doing whatever we can to please God and to walk in love and unity with our brother. And then Paul goes on, he says, now the body is for fornication. The, now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Amen. Our bodies belong to Jesus now. He didn't come to save part of us. He didn't come just to save our spirit and then he, he left us to do whatever we wanted to do with our body. No, no. He saved us spirit, soul, and body. He saved the whole man, praise God. And if there's backsliding going on in the Christian life, amen, God will heal the backsliding. Amen. And those things that are troubling us, if we'll, pers- if we'll pursue God on these things and if we'll be desperate. See, that's the problem I see in the church today with, with Christians who are constantly having battles is that they're not desperate enough to be free. They're free for a little while and then they go right back. Amen. It could be drugs. It could be cigarettes. It could be alcohol. It could be sexual sins. You know, they break out and then they go right back. And, and the reason why they, this, they, they go forward and then backwards, go forward and then go backwards, they advance and then backslide, advance and backslide. It's because they have not become desperate enough to seek uh, to be free where to the point to where God will heal them. You know, backsliders need to be healed. Sinners need to be saved. Backsliders need to be healed. Are we desperate enough? 
Amen. To be willing to put these former things from behind us and go onward. Amen. Like Paul said, go upward and onward. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Now, the body is not for fornication before the Lord and the Lord for the body. Amen. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own, own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now look at verse 18. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It hurts us. Amen. And then now, this is, the, you know, and we require discipline to do this. Say no to the flesh. Put the flesh under, like Paul said. But now comes the consecration. Look at the last two verses. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We are to consecrate ourselves to live before God. Amen. In such a way that we, that we live God in clear conscience before God and before man. And we can do that, brothers. We can do it, sisters. We can do it. In the name of Jesus and by the Spirit of our God, we can do that. We can live holy and right before God. Heavenly Father, we bless you. Thank you today for the ministry of the Word of God. Lord, may it soak into our hearts, Lord, and into our minds. Amen. Every jot and tittle of your Word, so that we will know, Lord, we will have it in my heart how to glorify your name and, and, and obey and follow the pattern uh, laid out to us through your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.